0: You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenchurch.com.
1: Well, this morning uh, is our last week of a series that we've been in called Essential Matters. Essential Matters. And um, man, how many of you know, and we've talked about it a little bit, but how many of you know that, uh, man, the enemy has been trying to shut down the church? trying to shut down. I know for, as a pastor, I feel that tension looking along, you know, at the landscape of what's happening in culture and society, and you can see the enemy, his hand is on trying to silence, trying to shut down, and trying to divide the church. But how many of you know that when Jesus said that he, that he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail? Amen? Amen. Let's go, and so we can stand firm. We can be confident in knowing that even though the enemy might try to silence, divide, shut down, that the church will prevail. Amen. Come on, let's go. Um, the uh, the title of my the title of my message this morning is essential elements. Essential elements, because see. When Jesus said that, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, it's important to really look at that scripture and understand really what it says because it doesn't say that they will build their church. It doesn't say that, this isn't a guarantee that any organization with the name church attached to it is going to succeed. That's not what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is saying is he's saying, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Meaning that there's going to be opposition, but Jesus is building and protecting his church. Not just some organization that calls itself a church, but his church. And if we want to be his church, then we've got to make sure that we're in in alignment with him. Because otherwise, we might find ourselves being an organization that might be called a church, but we're not under his protection, and he's not building it, and I don't want to be a part of that organization, amen? And so there's some essential elements that we must have, and there's several of them, and for the, for the sake of time, I'm just going to cover four, and so I've got four points this morning. Pastor Alex, this is my first four-point message in my entire life. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Open your Bibles to the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 1. Now, it's important to understand we're not going to do a Beth Moore deep dive on Daniel this morning, okay? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you a couple of verses, and, uh, and then I encourage you, uh, let this kind of build, build a little bit of an appetite. Read the whole book of Daniel this week, because the, this book is so relevant this specific book in the Bible right now is so relevant to, to where we are and what we're living in right now. And I could go on and I could show you uh, how it all, you know, this is, a, this is a pattern that's been played out, that is playing out even, even now, but I'm not going to get into that. I'm just going to, to highlight four elements of an essential church because I want to be a part of an essential church, Amen. Can we, can, we just, can we just honor and recognize our pastors, Pastor Juergen and Leanne? How amazing. I'm telling you what. I'm telling you what. Um, you know, I've been in the, church, in the church world for a long time. I've been in, I've been in, in, in ministry for, for going on 13, 12, 13 years. And I'm telling you that what we're a part of right now, because of, because of the obedience and what God has put on our senior pastors, what we're a part of right now is nothing short of miraculous and amazing. So I just wanted to honor them and, and just like, can we just give it up one more time for pastors Jurgen <laughs> and Leanne? Absolutely amazing. Um, the book of Daniel, we see uh, the nation of Israel is exiled. They're exiled. Now, it's important to realize that, that when the nation of Israel was first established, they had the law. And the law was put in place to do a number of things, uh, one of which was to make a distinction between the nation of Israel and any other nation, any other group of people on planet Earth that they were supposed to have a higher standard of living that they were supposed to be different and if you go to Israel today you'll notice when you're walking in an area that upholds the law of God it's neat it's clean it's successful there's it's it 's nice it's really nice and then you cross over this threshold where it's no longer you know a a, a part of town that's ran by israel but rather, you know, Arabs, and what happens is it gets real dirty. It gets real gross. You feel like you're in a third world country. It doesn't, it's not nice. It's not nice. And, and, and so it's very, under, we got to understand that God had set up some things so that his people would be different than anybody else. But the problem was, is that they just wanted to fit in. He ever just wanted to fit in. And sometimes when you try to fit in, you compromise, you compromise, you lay down some values so that you can fit in. Hello, teenagers. We don't do that, right? Come on. See, the church is in, the church has got to be careful right now. Because, because society is, is, is going a million miles an hour over here away from the values and the systems of God. And if the church isn't careful, we will compromise in order to fit in. Can I just tell you, the church is not meant to fit in. The church is meant to stand out. The church is meant to stand out. The church is meant to be a light on a hill. The church is supposed to be different. It's how it was set up from the very beginning. And so the nation of Israel, they, they, they got kicked out of the promised land, essentially because they weren't abiding in, in the word of God. They weren't, they, weren't, they weren't doing the things that they're supposed to do. And so God was patient, and he warned them, and then finally he was like, and he sent Babylon to actually come and and take the cap take Israel captive, and so now the nation of Israel is in captivity in Babylon. And uh, and there's four there's four guys, four young men, Daniel, and then we've got, as we know him, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, baby. And the king the king picked these guys because they were incredibly good looking. It's not a joke, it's actually in the Bible. <laughs> They're a bunch of Tysons, like you know. Uh, <laughs> every time I see Tyson, I'm just like, man. <laughs> Jeez, why do you gotta be so attractive? <laughs> he handpicked these four guys, and, and they were to be groomed to they were to be groomed to to, to serve the king of Babylon in his royal court. And and so he chose them. And and it's important to remember these guys at this time are held captive. They're in captivity. Now, I've never been in captivity, Pastor Alex. It's never happened. Except for sometimes when Becca holds me captive in her arms, and that's a good thing <laughs> when that happens, amen. But this captivity, this captivity that they're in is not, it's not good, right? There's no warm and fuzzies. They're 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 hungry. They're lost, they're broken, they're not doing very well, right? I can just imagine. Now they're in the king's court. And the Bible says that that, that the king is gonna feed them from his table, from his kitchen. And I just imagine the charcuterie board. Mm. Cheese, wine. Come on, somebody. We're in church. It was water at first and then Jesus turned it to wine. I'm just saying. All this this amazing spread. They're in Babylon, not in Israel, so there's bacon. You know what I'm saying? There's crab, there's shrimp. Mm, all these amazing delicacies. So the king brings them before these four young men and he's like, "This is what you're going to eat." Daniel chapter 1 verse number 8. The Bible says, but Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and the wine given to him by the king. He asked the chef of staff, the chief of staff, for permission to eat only what was, or not to eat what was unacceptable foods. I slaughtered that. You know what I mean. It's up on the screen. (laughs) All of these amazing food, all this amazing food that they could eat, and Daniel says, no, I decline. Now, think of the context here. This is a nation that is in exile for not upholding the law. So in Israel, the standard was mm, compromise. That's what got him exiled in the first place. Now they're in Babylon. He's hanging out with all the Babylonians. This is a good time to compromise. You're in good company to compromise. Nobody's going to, no one's going to point them out. Nobody's going to, to tale. Nobody's going to say anything. This is the spot. This is the place. You know what I'm saying? You're with your boys. Nobody's around. And you're like, I'm just going to pour one more drink. You know what I'm saying? This is the time to compromise, right? This is the moment where nobody cares. Nobody's looking. But Daniel holds the line. Daniel holds the line. Point number one is to be an essential church, to be a church that God is protecting and building. We must be a church that will hold the line. We must be a church that says, no, I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to bend. I will hold the line. If God says it, I'm going to do it. If he says, go here, I'm going to go here. If he says to step out in faith, I'm going to step out in faith, even though sometimes it might be a little countercultural." Amen? Sometimes the world around us might make it, listen, sometimes it's not sexy to hold the line. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's not easy to hold the line, right? When you're around all the people that they are compromising and you're like, you know what, I mean, it's, it's no big deal. I guess I can compromise. I don't, I don't really need to hold the line right here, right? I mean, I could sleep with my girlfriend because... It's socially acceptable. Oh, babies can get, I mean, these, these, this isn't a baby, it's a fetus. We don't need to protect it. Church, we got to hold the line. We got we to gotta be a church. We have to be a people that say, no, we're not going to compromise. No, I don't care if it's socially acceptable. Does it align with the word of God? And that's what I will hold the line on. That's the type of church that Jesus is building. That's the type of church that hell cannot prevail against. The Green Bay Packers are going to play tonight at 630 against the Saints. The undefeated Green Bay. I know it's only week three, but we're undefeated, baby. And we're going to win in Jesus' name. And the way that we're going to win, just like we did against the Vikings, the way that we're going to win (laughs) is by holding the line. Down after down. Play after play. Showing up and saying, hey, this is... The 50-yard line, you're not getting past it. We're going to hold the line. See, the gates of hell are coming against the church. The gates of hell are trying to find a hole. They're trying to find somebody, a piece of the armor that will compromise. But we're a church that says we will not back down. We will not compromise. We're going to hold the line. And that's how the gates of hell can't prevail. Play by play, down by down, we take ground, and we defend, and we take the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Amen? We got to hold the line. Dedication. I changed it to hold the line last night. It was too late. So that's my fault. That's my fault. It was like 11, and I was like, I know it's late. Can we change dedication to hold the line? It just sounded better, you know what I'm saying? So dedication equals hold the line. We've gotta hold the we've gotta hold the line. Number two is is power. An essential church has power. Guys, I've got this charging pad. You know I put my phone on it? Last night I crawled into bed and I put my phone on the charging pad. How many of you know it did not get on the it wasn't on there, right? Yeah. So Because it wasn't on the charging pad correctly, it lost power. If my phone, which is an amazing, amazing, amazing piece of technology, isn't it? There are so many awesome things that you could do with your iPhone. It's ridiculous. But if it doesn't have power, it's useless. Listen, there's a lot of churches Showing up week after week, powerless. Powerless. Man, I don't want to be a powerless church. I want to be a church of power. Jesus said, hey, disciples, go up into the upper room because you've got, I've got big plans for you, right? He's like, you're going to turn the world on its end. But you're going to need some power. So go up in the upper room and wait. And then the power of God was poured out on these guys. And they experienced power. And once they got power, they were able to go into the world. They were able to fulfill. Hello, 2020, we're sitting here having this amazing church. Why? Because power. Because power. We got to be a church that has power. Daniel chapter 1, verse 17, God gave these four men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. I want you to catch that. Unusual aptitude. Special ability. He gave him a supernatural edge. He gave him power. Guy, <laughs> listen, do we serve a powerful God or no? Do we serve a God who's highly seated above all things or no? Do we serve a God who, who spoke existence? Do we serve a God that holds the world in his hands? Do we serve an all powerful living God or no? Are we his hands and his feet? If we serve an all powerful God and we as the church are supposed to be his hands and his feet, then shouldn't we have power? Shouldn't we have power? Jesus says to his disciples before he heads up, He's like, Hey, 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 guess what? For everybody who believes in me, there's gonna be miraculous signs. You're gonna speak in new tongues, you're gonna cast out demons. He says, you're going to do things. Why? Because of power. Because because we serve a God who is powerful. And so we've got to have power. The the real power that, that these guys, that these four guys had, didn't really get fully demonstrated until chapter two. Right? When King Nebuchadnezzar, he's like, hey, I'm going to build a statue. They're going to bow to me. And then what do they do? They hold the line. They say, no, we're not going to do that. And King Nebuchadnezzar, now he's like, oh, they're fronting on me. Like, what am I going to do? They're trying to. They're, I need to show them, I need to reveal them to them that I'm the king, that I have power. And so he gives them a couple chances, they're like, no, we're not going to do it. So what happens, puts them in the furnace. And as King Nebuchadnezzar is trying to get his power revealed what ends up getting revealed is the power that's been with these boys this whole time. Jesus shows up in the fire. You see, when when we're when we hold the line, that is when we hold the line, God goes, "Okay, I can give that power." When we hold the line, God goes, "Okay, that's a church that I can trust with power." That's a church that's not going to compromise, that's not going to bow down to the idols of the day. Listen, it's 2020. Nobody in America is pulling up a golden statue and asking you to bow to it. It's not happening. But there are idols every single day that culture and society is trying to get you to bow. And as soon as you do, you lose your power. God goes, I can't give power to a person, to a group that won't hold that won't haunt the line. An essential church has power. Next thing. Actually, hold on a second. I'm not ready to move on. Sherry. Give it up for my stepmom, Sherry. Come on. <laughs> Sherry, last year, gets word from the doctors. Ooh. Looks like you got a a cancerous tumor. That was the word. But she's like, oh, wait, I believe that my God has power. I know the doctors have education, but I believe that my God has power. So we prayed, we believed, and guess what? God changed the story. God changed the story. My friend Aaron Dalarosa Rosa shows up church on Sunday. He's out of town, otherwise he'd be here. He shows up to church on Sunday, toothache. Leaves church, no toothache, no swelling, no pain. Why? Because our God is a God of power. He's not silent. It's why we pray for the book of miracles on Sundays because we don't just believe that God is up there going, oh yeah, they're praying to me again. <laughs> it's weird. He goes, oh, they are accessing power. I'm going to give it to them because they're holding the line. Lynn shows up, back hurting. Asked today, how's your back? It's pretty good. Power. We believe that God can act. We believe that God can do. And so we step out in faith going, God, we believe that you are powerful. And so we're going to hold the line. And then we're going to have faith that you're going to show up and act. And we're going to be a church of power. The world is looking for power. The world is looking for power. They got their tarot cards out. Looking into the stars looking to tell the future. We're not going to get into it, but when you read this this week, you'll see that the king had astrologers. He had magicians. He had all of these people that were supposed to have power, and guess what? They proved to be powerless, and so that's why God said, oh, well, this guy has some power. This guy can actually deter, can- this guy knows that there's something different about this guy. Let's have some power. Let's pray. Like we believe that God is all powerful. The next thing is transformation. There are three kings that rule in the time that these four men are in captivity in Babylon. And all three of these kings brought these four men close because they noticed that there was something different. They noticed a distinction on these guys. So they brought them close and every single one of these kings was transformed. Every one of these kings fell before the name of Jesus, well, not yet, of God, said yes, the God of Daniel is the true God. God, every single one of them was transformed. See, there needs to be transformation in church. An essential church has transformation. When we encounter God, there should be change. There should be transformation. There should be a shift. These three kings encountered God through these four men and were transformed. They were transformed. Kings transformed because of slave boys. They were in captivity. They were young. And yet they so impressed the king. And the king saw such amazing fruit on their life that a door was opened and they were transformed. We should be a church. We are a house of transformation. Look at the the disciples. The disciples, at first, they're fishermen, tax collectors. They meet Jesus, and in a moment, they're transformed. Now they're followers of Christ. Corey, good friend of mine, Corey, Corey shows up to church, was it last year? Last year? Gosh, Corey's out of town, too. All my examples are out of town. What's up with that? Y'all need to stop. Listen, when you're gone, I'm gonna talk about you, so... The Friday before he shows up on Sunday, he's got a gun in his mouth. At the end of his rope, no hope. All hope is gone. Pulls the trigger on Friday. Gun. The gun doesn't go off. Bullet in, yeah. Everything ready to go. Pulls the trigger. Fails. In that moment, he feels the presence of God. He's like, i got to give my butt to church. Sunday morning, he shows up, steps in, and in the worship service, God begins to transform his heart, begins to change his life. Now Corey and Lexi are pillars of our church. They're, They're amazing, amazing people. He's on the worship team. Transformation. But guess what? In a house of transformation, an essential church, a church that's essential to what God is doing, where there's transformation, it doesn't just end at I was lost and now I'm found. It doesn't just end at I, I, I once was, was, was a, a far from God and now I'm close to God. No. See, look at the disciples again. The disciples go from fishermen and tax collectors to followers of Christ, from followers of Christ to people who are moving in power. From people who are moving in power to pillars of the early church. Now listen to this part. You might say, well, not all of the disciples became pillars of the early church. You're right. Judas. Judas. Here's the thing. You and I have to put ourselves in a position to be transformed. We do that by humbling ourselves to God. So you can't be transformed if you s- stick your head up with pride and say, ah, I think the way that I do it is better. Mm. And this is Judas' story. Jesus is pouring expensive oil. You know, expensive oil is getting poured on Jesus. People are upset. By people, I mean Judas. Judas is upset. I wouldn't have done that. That was stupid, Jesus. Jesus didn't he just didn't care what Judas said. I bet I bet Jesus looked at Judas and goes, "I just wish that you would have a soft heart. I just wish that you would put down your pride and let me transform you." Look at Peter. Man, Jesus was hard on Peter, wasn't he? get behind me, Satan. Peter was transformed. So we can talk about being a house of transformation all day long, but if you and I won't position ourselves to be transformed, God's a perfect gentleman. He's a perfect gentleman. He's here waiting to transform us. Ready to give us breakthrough, ready to to give us freedom. Man, if we're holding on to our own way, if we're holding on to our own ideas, if we're holding on to pride, he's like, All right. You just let me know when you're ready. I'll transform you. It's the gospel, it's the gospel our church it's constant transformation constant transformation I've been saved my whole life and I went off the rails and I came crawling back and he forgave me he loved me he brought me back in this radical transformation and then the truth is I stalled. I stalled for a long time. You ever feel like you're stalled? Like there's just not any more transformation? We humble ourselves before God, then we get transparent with people around us. We get transparent with people around us. Beck and I just went through full on pastoral care, got delivered. I'm holding on. To, I'm like, oh, my gosh. I, oh, I got to get this thing off of me. Holy crap, I got this weird pride and rejection and orphan spirit. Get off. I don't get that until I get transparent with people around me. Right? We're a house of transformation. In this church, we see people saved transformed, and then we just level up. We keep on leveling up. We keep on breaking ceilings. We keep on getting more and more set free. That's the type of church that Jesus is building and protecting. Last thing. Influence. God used the influence of these four young men to cause this transformation in these kings. Now listen, here's the thing about influence. You can't have influence unless you're influential. And you can't be influential unless you're carrying things that people want. There is nothing more embarrassing than a Christian trying to tell someone about Jesus when their life sucks I'm like shh you're embarrassing now listen I've been there I've been there but Vince we're called to tell people about Jesus yeah you're right but you better look like him first you better carry some influence you better now listen The most influential people, it's not about being really, really good-looking. Tyson, sorry. It doesn't doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. It's not about being real good-looking. It's not about having all the answers. It's not about having some sort of status. I'm influential. It's about having the Holy Spirit working in you. That's why Paul says in Galatians fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then he says, against these things, there is no law, which essentially means that nobody would disagree that these are good things. And if you carry these things then guess what? You're going to have influence because people are going to be around you going, man, I feel better when I'm around them. Man, I want to be like that person. Man, there's something that they carry that I want. See, part of the, the, what's been broken about the, the church is that we've been out trying to peddle Jesus without any power, without holding the line, without allowing God to transform us. And so we're just out there like a clanging gong, just baking noise, and everyone's like, Arr-r-r-r-r. weirdos. We- got the living God inside of us. We should be different. We should be excellent. We should walk with authority. People should look at us going, I want that. And then they come to us going, wow, that whatever you've got, I want it. And then we go, yeah, let me tell you about what I've got. His name is Jesus. He's King of Kings, and he's Lord of Lords, and this is how we influence and take a city. Not by just coming to church and checking a box and not being changed. No. We we take a city by having influence because of power and transformation and holding the line. That's awakened church. That's what we're here to, that's what we're called to do. We're not a box checking church. We're not a church to come and sing some karaoke and listen to some scripture and go home and act like nothing. Man. Hold the line. Have power. Allow God to transform you. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the Bible says. Change your thoughts. They should align with his thoughts. I've got to be done. Can you just put your hands towards heaven for a second? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Maybe you're here this morning and one of those, or maybe all of them, one of those things hits you. You thought, man, I don't know if I'm holding the line. There's some areas of my life that I've compromised. Maybe you're saying, you know what, I don't know if I can say that I walk with any real power, and I want the power of God in my life. I want to have a supernatural edge. I want the power of God working in and through my life. Maybe he said, "You know what? I just don't know if I've really been transformed. Maybe I once was, but then now I'm just stalled out." If any of those things ring true for you on the count of three, I just want you to stand up. One, two, three. Just stand up if you say, "You know what? I need some. I need. I, I need to hold the line a little bit." Thank you. Thank you for being honest. Come on. Thank you. There it is. Maybe you're not holding the line. Maybe there's not transformation. Maybe there's not power. Your pastor's standing up. There's been some areas. There's been some things where I've not lined up, where I've not. This morning, I just want to pray for us. So just everyone in here, just put your hands towards heaven. I thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you love your children. You love your kids. Father, I pray right now. Lord, for those of us who maybe haven't been holding the line, we've, we've compromised some things. Maybe it's in our finance. Maybe it's in our private life. You can't hide anything from God. He sees everything he still loves you wherever that area is that you haven't held the line where you've allowed compromise to come in Lord right now I just pray God that you would bring your sweet conviction that draws us closer to you Jesus that we would come in alignment with you again God that we would be people that say, if your word says it, I'm going to believe it, I'm going to walk in it. That we would be a people that would not compromise, but we would hold the line in Jesus' name. So we, re- we repent. We ask for forgiveness. And we thank you, God, that you are faithful and just to forgive us. We come under alignment again in Jesus' name. Father, we lift up. Every single person in this place that's wanting power from you. God, you want to give us power. Your Holy Spirit that would come upon us, that would be filled with the Spirit in such a powerful way. Lord, we expect to see miracles in this house. We expect to see cancer destroyed by the name of Jesus. We expect to see visions to have prophecy to move and walk in the Holy Spirit we expect to operate in power because you are a powerful God and we are your hands and your feet and so right now I pray Lord Jesus that you would meet us where we're at that you would fill us with your power in Jesus name not because of who we are but because of who you are we thank you Jesus thank you Lord thank you Jesus Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. You can put your hands down for a second. I'm almost done. You can stay standing, though, or you can sit down. I don't care. Whatever. Sit down, stand up. We're a Catholic church. I want to make sure that every single one of us has a relationship with Jesus. Jesus. The Bible lays it out so clearly. That God loves you so much. He gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. That God stepped out of heaven. Jesus, God with skin on, lived a perfect life. Paying the price for our sins so that we could be transformed. that We could go from death to life. And He made it really easy. He said if you would believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that you'd be saved. So if you're in this place and you wanna dedicate your life to Christ, you wanna receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, you wanna be transformed in a moment, there's even one. I'll make sure you have an opportunity to accept Jesus. So just put up your hand if that's you. Just put it up nice and high. I'm not going to embarrass you. I see your hand. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Is there anybody else? I'll just wait one more second. Just wait one more second. Praise God. Praise God. God bless you. God bless you. We're just going to pray a prayer, and I want everybody to pray this with me. Say, Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. And From now on, I'm going to follow you. In Jesus' name.
0: Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to Awakenchurch.com.